You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 223, Cold. Hosted by Dan Terry. I'm great. How are you? John Beatty. He's going to do that cool thing, like cool bands like Nickelback do, where it has that like AM radio effect on it. And Joseph Wren. If I screamed into the void and it talked back, I would just say, bring it on. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you were really looking for a cold open on this one, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is John. What is up, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of Discography Discussion as we are trucking through New Metal May, talking about cold tonight. You another do not band. sound psyched, Dan. I'm not I'm not super psyched. Is anybody super psyched after listening to Cold? Especially for a whole week? I mean, even if you love the music, I can't imagine you still being super stoked. Uh, much like one of my favorite bands, uh, Zeo, who I say, you know, everything bad that could ever happen to a human being happens to the lead singer. Uh, I also feel that way very much about Cold. Uh, bad things just happen to somebody. They're not happy about it. They write multiple albums talking about it and documenting it very, very carefully. And uh, I got to say, I think Zayo pulled it off better than Cold did. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. We're just going to have to get into this one. I don't have a, a lofty introduction here. I mean, this is just, oh, boy, this is, a, this is a big old barrel of depression. I am so psyched to talk about this band. I've got my actual microphone to speak into. I've got my stationary microphone to get me in the mood to talk into this mic. For those of you that watch the DVD on how they made Year of the Spider, this joke will be funny. I don't hate cold all the time. I just ask the question, why was this band big? Because everyone told me cold was a big deal, and I looked around and said, I don't even see their stickers on notebooks. So I'm kind of calling bullshit on I that. I just see a bunch of spiders everywhere. The whole bunch of spiders. I didn't see that either. That's kind of why I'm bringing it up. Like, I feel like Cold was manufactured to be awesome back in 2003. And that's really what I think. Contrary to popular opinion, not all the music is bad, but it's really easy to make fun of it sometimes. And it that's mean. Can be. I don't want to be mean today, but I'm going to have to be in a couple spots. I'm going to be incredibly nice uh, as much as I can. Scooter's had a hard enough life uh, as it is, so uh, I don't want to. I don't want to make it worse for him. <laughs> it's a hard enough dude, life for Scooter. Dude, dude should be allowed to just sit back and make his art, <laughs> you know. So uh, it is. It is what it is, I guess. Well, before Dan has full creative control to make some art, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Twitch.tv forward slash DiscussMetalDan for all your game streaming needs. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do enjoy getting five-star reviews on Discography Discussion, or a thumbs up, or a like, or a follow, or, or whatever uh, 
whatever means of letting people know that you like the podcast that exists. We we like all that. It makes us makes us feel relatively special, I guess. Uh, it doesn't make us feel bad. It doesn't make us feel cold. You know, it just just makes us feel whatever. Uh, no, it's fine. Definitely keep those reviews coming and uh, keep sharing the episodes, telling your friends and family members about the podcast. And, uh, you know, one of these days, uh, you know, you'll see more discography discussion stickers than, you know, you're the spider stickers. Maybe. Maybe if you try hard enough. Uh, we did get an email recently uh, where you can also email us at danandjoeshow at gmail.com uh, about the band Sabaton. Uh, this comes from Josh Miller. Uh, Josh says Sabaton is a Swedish metal band uh, from Falun, Sweden. The current lineup consists of I'm not going to I'm not going to pronounce all their names. This was a trap. Uh, but yeah, I know Sabaton. Uh, the band focuses mainly on acts of war and heroism. Uh, and then he lists all the albums out, explains that they have insane live shows, how a lot of their lyrics are about World War One, World War Two, um, historical uh, historical battles, things like that. And I think it's really cool. I've I've always been into kind of Sabaton's history metal kind of kind of angle. Uh, so they're definitely a band that's on the list, a band that we do plan on talking about. Um, can't necessarily say it's going to be the next episode because we got a lot to get through. But uh, what about Satyricon? Yeah. Can we talk about them too? We can talk about Satyricon. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. John's shaking his head. He's like, "Oh God, what am I doing?" Only, here? only if we can be satirical about it. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be as satirical as we can be about Satyricon. We are going to be so warm and fuzzy. It's not even funny. Is but that hey, just a con where people who are satirical in nature just go and hang out with each other? Possibly. Is it a big joke? Isn't it? Who knows? It's satire. Uh, so Joshua Miller, thank you so much for reaching out to us. Um, keep those emails coming. Keep those band suggestions coming. We are we are open to it. We're, we're mostly open to it. If you just suggested cold, I'd have said no. I probably have said no before. I, I remember telling somebody one time, they're like, are you guys going to talk about cold? And I was like, uh, it's a hard maybe. Then I was like, yeah, I'll put them on the list. So here we are. Ladies and Shoe gentlemen, some, discography you know, discussion goes where Roach Coach will not. So, Dan. Oh, they've gone there. Tell me about Cold. Well, Cold is a band uh, that was started by a dude named Scooter Ward. And uh, I believe it's uh, Sam McCandless. Is that right? No. Did Sam? Was Sam? On? Yeah, yeah. Sam was in yeah, the band the early on. Yep. Uh, everywhere that you're going to read is going to tell you that Cold started in 1986, which I think is a little disingenuous considering that they weren't the Cold that we know today. They weren't even called Cold, I think, until they were like, called what, yeah, 1996 or something like that. They're called Frigid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, they're yeah. called Grun Grundig. Grundig. That's right. That's not. That sounds like a like a like a troll polka black metal band. Grundig. But uh, which I would totally listen to and cover on the show. So you know, Fin Troll. Here we come. But uh, yeah, Cold is you know obviously an American band. I used to describe them as uh, dollar store stained. Um, because they, they, they have some similarity to stained, uh, cause it's cosmetic similarities, but, uh, you know, they, they follow a very similar musical arc that stained followed, which was, uh, you know, we're going to start off, you know, really, really heavy and get all those metal kids into our stuff. And then we're going to kind of back off on that and go into more of a, not necessarily an acoustic rock, but more of like almost an adult contemporary hard rock sort of direction. And, uh, yeah, it's an it's an interesting journey. I'm, I take that back. It's not an interesting journey. It's actually kind of frustrating to have to go through. 
But um, let's let's just go through it. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? This this is what you paid the money for. And by paid the money, I mean clicked on a YouTube video or or clicked on an RSS feed. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get into cold. I really don't want to. And Dan knows why. It's 1998. I did not listen to this album until 2003 when I listened to You're the Spider and I thought, this is good. It's not great, but it's good. And I worked my way backwards. 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage. Rob, my drum teacher's like, oh yeah, dude, it's all about the grooves with cold. And most of the time, I agree. Then I went back to the first one. 1998, cold. Talk about a cold opening. That's one way of putting it, John. <laughs> I like that it's cold with the with the cold blue, you know, behind it, but then it's like the hot red, so it's like it's cold, but it's not really cold. You gotta you gotta think about it. It's more cerebral than that. Uh this record is depressing as all hell. I mean, go away starts off. And honestly, when when I first put this record on and I listened to Go Away for the first time, uh, way back when, this is one that I actually did listen to back in the day, and uh it starts off so heavy. And I'm like, this is going to be like the most brutal thing ever. And then Scooter starts, quote unquote, singing, uh, which sounds like I don't know what, what. What do you got in your mouth, Scooter? Is it is it is it chewing tobacco? Is it is it um, is it is it mashed potatoes? Like what's going on? And then as he continues to sing, I th- start thinking like, okay, he's trying to do an Eddie Vedder thing uh, or a Scott Stapp thing, which you know, '90s, it's '98. You can probably still get away with that. And they obviously got away with that, but like this record is just oof. Like, and you can tell even if you're again, I hate to bring Spotify stats into it, but like this, this, these songs on this record do not reach the heights of other songs uh, in their career as far as listenership goes, at least not since the advent of streaming services. And, uh, and I can see why this record is just, I think musically, it's probably one of their strongest as far as like aggression goes because that's what i'm here for being the being the metal guy but i can't i cannot get past scooter's vocals here he just sounds god awful he doesn't enunciate when he sings and um welcome to my world say, and you're gonna say old dan you listen to bands like zeo and you know like all these really extreme metal bands where you can't understand anything they're saying that's true but like uh it's it's a little bit of a contradiction but like when when the goal, I think, I think Scooter's goal was for his words to be heard, but he didn't really accomplish that goal because I can't understand his mumbling. You know, I guarantee people that consider themselves cold fans to this day probably make fun of uh, mumble rappers on uh, on SoundCloud. Yet here we have a you have the first example of a mumble rock band. Maybe not the first example. Pearl Jam comes close, but uh, Pearl Jam's a significantly better band musically than than Cold is. Uh, so yeah, I'm I, I'm really having trouble wrapping my head around what he's trying to do here, and I can never get over just the how how go away cuts into the chorus of him just saying go away. It's just it's it's not exactly laughably bad. It should be a meme, and I'm gonna pick on it for a few minutes. It should be a fucking meme to just have go away be the punchline of your YouTube video if you were that type of creator back in the day. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this album. I've listened to it. I don't like a lot of the songs, especially when they're overly quiet in places and then overly loud. But I think 1998 record executive listened to this album and said, it's kind of heavy, like 
Coal Chamber, but it's got more melody. And I really do think that was the extent of the thought process. Like, it was the exact inverse of everything that was breaking. So let's pick this band up and have them at the ready when new metal becomes more melodic a little bit later. I feel like what's interesting about Cole in this first record is you see on stuff like Stripper Down on, uh, was it Ugly? I think was the other one. That you, you get this vibe, or at least I do, Something tells me that this really started off as like singer songwriter stuff, like just, you know, scooter and acoustic guitar. That's how it was. I don't know if like the band kind of became a thing after a while of like maybe scooter was playing somewhere and maybe Sam was like, hey, man, like we kind of throw some stuff on her. Let's get a band together. This feels like it was probably a like it was a solo project or a solo output. I could just totally see Scooter sitting at a coffee shop on, you know, open mic night playing a bunch of these songs and people largely probably ignoring them at the time. Um, I know as Dan was actually making the comment about Stained, I know Aaron Lewis said he used to do that shit all the time where he would play, you know, It's Been a While and and uh, some of the other songs that would become huge Stained hits in different demo versions and largely he would be ignored and he goes and then, you know, at least like with It's Been a While, that became like one of the most played songs of the 2000s or whatever you know so i mean it's just it's interesting to see the dichotomy of like what you hear and being like oh i could see this being played at a coffee shop and everyone ignoring it (laughs) or someone being like hey man get that guy a scone he needs something sugary and positive in his life well normally i would say that like because this is what i originally thought was that the first cold album was like a rip off of stain's dysfunction but it actually predates dysfunction by about a year so who ripped off who? I don't think either one of them ripped off either, Either, but it is interesting to see how similar those two records are. I'm going to give Dysfunction the edge every single time. Absolutely. But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot, and, and I'm not 100% on board with it, to be honest, but it's probably my favorite Cold album because as we go on, they definitely start digging into territory that I'm really not that into. Um, I guess let's just get into the next record. 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage, 2000. It has everything that you want in a new metal album. It has the number 13 in it. The ending is more of an intro than the opening. And the vocals are a little bit better on this one. Scooter, I can only assume, had a producer that understood how to make him sound better than the previous product. It's not good yet, guys, but I think this is the album most people bought into. It has that year 2000s vibe and again has more melody than what you would typically expect from a band who is just delivering a nasty sound for better or for worse. I think this one's equally as angry. I think that I think the scooter sounds better overall. Like he's he's actually hitting the uh, he's actually he's actually enunciating what he says. I think somebody came down to him and was like, "Hey, bud, I'm, I'm gonna just imagine that it was Fred." <laughs> Fred's like, "Look, buddy, love the songs. <laughs> I love I love the ideas. I love the passion. You've got to start like actually saying your words out loud, and 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 not not enunciating very very strangely." So I'm kind of in this like situation where I'm like, okay, I want to take Scooter seriously. I think that the songwriting's stronger than it is on the first record. 
but I also think that like by this point, I I think that they sound again. And I know I'm the only person that that probably makes this argument, but I think they sound too much like Stained, and I don't think they sound as good. And if you go back and listen to our Stained episode, you'll know that I don't feel particularly stoked on Stained either. I don't think they sound like Stained. I think Scooter has a cosmetic similarity to other bands, other lead singers at least, from the late 90s, early 2000s. But the band just doesn't come close. It's like they're trying to be heavy and simplify the music, almost like a tool thing. It's just misguided creative decisions if you look at it from the mainstream popular viewpoint. This is what it sounds like when somebody sounds like a new metal band, but isn't actually trying to play that style of music. They want to do the single guitar, the singer-songwriter thing, and keep it simple. And it works a little bit for the band. It works in their favor, actually, that they're not overcomplicating this. Stained will do layers upon layers of guitars. Limp Biscuit has some of the most talented musicians working together to create layers of sounds and riffs. But then you have Cold. It sounds like a singular viewpoint that just wasn't elaborated on. But the band sounds like a 2000s metal band. What I can't figure out is like why this got as popular as it did because it's not as it's the opposite of the Skindred argument, right? Like, how, why did this get as popular as it did? Uh, and why did they not get more popular? And I guess people just like wallowing in their own sorrow. And like, I mean, I appreciate that too if it's presented in a really good way. Uh, I think songs like No One are really strong. I think songs like End of the World just got wicked. Uh, but the rest of the record for me is just kind of like, I don't know, anti-love song I found particularly to be super annoying for whatever reason. Um, I feel like Cold just reminds me too much of like, you know, that kid in your class that is like, how, how are things going, man? Oh, it's, it's okay. Okay, well, you know, you want to come hang out with us later on after school or whatever? No, you guys are probably just going to make fun of me. Okay, but, but like we won't. No, I think you guys are going to. Okay, well, I'm sorry that you think that. And now that you've said that, it does kind of actually does make me kind of want to make fun of you a little bit because you're you're kind of you're kind of doing this to yourself. Nobody thought that like you know you were hard to get along with. And then it's like, dude, my favorite band. It's Cold. I love Cold. Well, what kind of music do they play? Are they a cool band? You wouldn't understand. Like that, that's just that's just the kind of the kind of kind of the vibe that I get, and that's not Scooter's fault. Uh, that that's how you know his fans are, but that's kind of his fan base, and I find sometimes that it can be a little bit insufferable uh, to deal with that whole like, look at us, look at how edgy we are. Like they go a little too far, I think, in that direction of like, oh, it's got a thirteen on it, it's a spider, and like it could all be like, it could all be marketing or whatever. But I don't know, it just. Listening to it as an adult was particularly difficult for me. Like, I almost have to go back to being a 14-year-old to, like, really appreciate uh, what Cold was going for here. But uh, I think that this is definitely one of their stronger albums. I don't think it's as strong as Year of the Spider, but uh, it's... They're trending in the right direction as far as, like, actual musical problems. Uh, there's no musical problem with Cold. I think that their songs are good. I think Scooter's very good at writing hooks. Uh, and has great, great ideas. I even think that his cadence is actually really interesting at times. 
but I think it just gets bogged down too much in the gloom and doom of it all. So what's interesting about 13 Ways to Bleed on stage to me is the fact that Scooter on the first record was primarily like playing guitar a lot um, in the band. With this album, you see Terry Balsamo or however you say his last name, and it allowed Scooter, at least in a live setting, to really kind of be the ignig... Ig- Jesus Christ. The ignig-, ignig... Ah, why can't I fucking say Enigmatic. It? Yes, thank you. Jesus Christ. Um, but it's one of those where, you know, it allowed him to kind of do that. To me, like, I feel like the songwriting on this is... And I don't know if Terry is bringing a lot of, you know, riffs and songwriting with him. Uh, and that's why the songwriting as a whole is just a lot better than on the first record. But to me... I don't necessarily agree with, with, I guess, either of you, really. I think this record is really good, and I think the actually the last half of the record is stronger to me. Um, same drug. God, I love that fucking drum beat that Sam's laying down. That really slow, like, melody line, kind of the just kind of haunting line. Lyrically, I think it's great. The fucking hook, as simple as it is for the, the chorus. Like, again, kind of echoing off of Dan's sentiments. Scooter writes fucking great vocal hooks and so forth. And I think it's showcased a lot more on this one. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't have to. I don't know if sometimes songwriters themselves, like if they kind of play something, get limited to, well, I came up with this and here's my vocal. And like, you're not really having it kind of unfold. Whereas at least like if someone else is coming up with an idea, you could be like, hey, kind of do this with this. And you kind of have more play back and forth. And then you're both creating the best of everything and pulling each other the best out of each other. I think this record's really good. I love Bleed. You know, I was making the comment on the first record where it felt like it was very singer songwriter kind of stuff. And you didn't really get as much of the acoustic side of uh, Scooter or the band on this record until you got to Bleed, basically. And again, uh, and to answer your question of why did this band get as big as they did? Well, first of all, they toured the shitload with Stained. I know I probably saw Cold and Stained at least four or five times on Dysfunction and 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. Um because I think it was kind of like what Rise Records and shit like that does now, where you just put your bands together and send them out. So I think Fred sent Stained, uh, probably Puddle of Mud and uh, fucking Cold out together and just was like, hey, here's the Fearless Records or here's, you know, the whatever Fred's label was called. Um, I don't know how I could have not fallen asleep during one of those shows. Well, I remember like even like a couple of times, like on the, uh, the tour that it was Godsmack on Awake, Break the Cycle was just about to come out within a month and 13 Ways to Bleed on stage was already out. And I remember at one point, there's just a micro, like a singular microphone on the ground. And I was like, what the fuck is that other microphone for? And then Aaron Lewis just kind of slowly trudges out, kind of, you know, grabbing the back of his neck, you know, with the overlong, like, uh, pony pants and shit like that. And then just, you know, does <laughs> send in the clowns and then screams into it, drops the microphone and then just sa- saunters off. And you're like, OK, that's a thing you did. I- and then I remember buying the record. And I was like, oh, OK, like and it was one of those things, you know, sometimes you talk about you see a band live and you're like, oh, None of these songs are out yet. John, I'm going to tell you from experience that in the year 2000, that was exactly the scenario that you ran into. You had the singer songwriter or the vocalist who just had their vision. And depending on how well they could convey it instrumentally ended up being how complex the song was. And I'm talking about the early 2000s where we had better home recording technology. So you had the ability to sit down and actually kind of demo out your thoughts. And sometimes that isn't as complicated as it should be. 
And it took a long time, really, it took almost two decades for musicians to start working together again. It feels like recently we all started listening to each other again instead of dealing with the guy that has the singular vision. That's what I remember from the 2000s. Dan thinks I'm picking on him right now. I assure you I'm not. Dan and I will fight about every song until the end of time, and it sounds better because of it. <laughs> Speaking of sounding better because of it, let's get on to the next record. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. 2003, Year of the Spider. Good Man. God. This one works, gentlemen. Yeah. This is the production on the this perfect album for Colt. The songs make sense. They flow together. The production is solid. I think there's only one or two low points on the album. Not talking about the tone, talking about the quality of songs. But generally speaking, in 2003, you can put this album on and listen to the whole thing. I am not ashamed. I listened to this album quite a bit because I was looking for the band that put out Cold and trying to figure out what the hell happened. Somebody figured it out. Well, I know. So the fun thing about this record is I had one tickets from our local radio station to go see uh, Cold and 30 Seconds to Mars when they were 30 Seconds to Mars was like a new band and they only had their first record that they pretty much will never, ever play anything off of ever again, um, sadly. And this album wasn't out. Year of the Spider was not out yet. And they basically played the full record. But they did it in a storyteller's vibe where like they literally went like track by track and then Scooter would tell kind of a story. So like with the day Seattle died, you know, he was talking about the song being finished uh, on the anniversary of uh, Lane and Kurt Cobain passing away um, and that they felt that it had like this kind of, you know, Seattle-y grungy kind of, you know, inspiration going on with it. Um, I remember, you know, a stupid girl, he was talking about how, you know, they're writing that song and they were like, this feels like a, like, kind of like they were kind of having a problem getting it out the, like fully. And, you know, he was like, you know, they kept calling it the heavy Weezer song. And then, you know, I think because they had the budget, they were like, oh, fuck it. Let's see if Rivers will come and help us, uh, finish it. And then Rivers came and he's on the track doing some of the backing vocals and shit. And that's why it's weird because like when he said that, he was like, oh, we kept calling it the heavy Weezer song. And I was like, holy fuck, it does kind of sound like a Weezer song, like a heavy Weezer song. Um, but it, it was just like really cool. And I feel like I've embraced this record a lot more than maybe I would have. It's, it's a strong record. Um, I think the songwriting is fucking great. The production on it is fucking like right there. I feel like this is the first time they really paid attention to a track listing because um, like Remedy is a great way to fucking start off the record. Uh, Suffocate is a great like one two punch for the record. Um, so many fucking singles uh, on this. And I think there's only like maybe like two technically um, Gone Away is a great fucking song. Kind of harkens a little bit back to the 13 ways to bleed on stage kind of sound. And that was a fucking um, hidden track back in the day. Well, it was released as a single, and Joe, you'll you'll remember this on the Tough Enough soundtrack when that yes, was I do. a thing. Um, so it was a thing where this record really, I think, just fucking hit. And you know, to speak to the whole like, oh, you never saw spiders on anything or cold stickers on anything. I actually feel like I remember a lot of people with the spider uh, thing on their CD booklets and shit because they were passing I them too. out, or they're like trapper keepers in high yeah. school. Yeah, um, a lot of spiders. So so it was definitely a thing like I think the band really hit on a bigger scale 
But I, I just feel like a lot of it, you know, as we were saying in this Kindred thing, like where it's like, you know, they went full pop on that last record and it really works for what they do. I feel like having cleaner production really fucking helps Cold um, showcase like those hooks that Scooter has been writing from day one, but really bringing it out. And the fact that, you know, he was willing to work with some other writers and so forth, you know, with Rivers and some other people, I think kind of really helped this record be as big as it is. And when people think of the band, I think this is really where everyone's fandom came in. Um, I think they started basically on 13 Ways to Bleed on stage and then basically this blew them up into the, the mainstream. I think even Stupid Girl was on like TRL at one point, which is an anomaly in and of itself. <laughs> it absolutely was. Having bought the album because this came out at a time where the common practice Dan, tell me if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, was to go down to your local big box retailer and for $7, you could buy the new releases. New and, release Tuesday. And this was one of those albums that I just grabbed. And I remember it was really entertaining to listen to, but the only song I ever saw was Stupid Girl. And I get it. Somebody somewhere made a decision to make that the single. I don't know why. It's not the best song on this album. It's a catchy song, though. I get it. Like, and that—that's the whole thing. Is like, you know, I didn't used to have like Mr. Music Journalist brain when when analyzing this sort of thing. But like, Stupid Girl makes sense because it does have the best hooks. It has the most cheaply obvious hooks out of anything else on the record. But I do think that it is a strong record. It's so hard for me to talk about stuff like this because I'm just so not into it. I'm not into the strengths of the record. Um, it's not it's not my cup of tea, and, I, and I'm handling it less uh, gracefully than John does on a lot of these episodes. But um, Cold's just a band, the, another one of those bands that really got forced down my throat when I was younger, and so I, I have kind of a more of a knee jerk reaction when somebody brings Cold up because I'm like, yeah, like they're a good band and everything, but like they were invading so much of that space of like that new metal stuff that I was really into when I was younger. But like you compare something like Cold to like Corn or System of a Down or Cold Chamber or something like that, and it doesn't really even hit on the same level. And I think that's not the band's fault. I think it's just that this here's the marketing opportunity, and a, a lot of the same audience really is going to carry over into more of this. I, I always call it like uh, contemporary, adult contemporary uh, hard rock, because it just has the generic. It has the chorus, the verse, the bridge, and the end. And because so many of Cold songs, especially on this record, follow that formula, it can be really, really hard for me to pay attention to. And it's not because they suck. They're they're accomplished musicians. Scooter sounds a hundred times better than he sounded on even even the last album. He he gets consistently better as we go as a vocalist. And his lyrics are interesting. They're dark. They're they're broody. But um Year of the Spider probably, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of their apex. I don't feel like they necessarily got better than Year of the Spider. And um, I would say that it's been not necessarily on a decline because I know they've got like one of the most hardcore fan bases out there. Um, so yeah, at the risk of pissing all of them off, uh, it just really isn't necessarily... It's not my cup of tea, but I can absolutely appreciate that they, that they grew very, very much between each of their first three releases. I completely agree. Cold exists in that same space that Changes in the House of Flies exists in. 
I've heard it so much, I don't need to hear it anymore. And yes, they were one of the bands that got shoved down your fucking throat. And until you get to Year of the Spider, I don't know why. I really don't know why. There's a couple songs from 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage that you could tell somebody said, that's your sound, guys. You need to just do that 13 times. And then they release Year of the Spider three years later. So I get it. The band evolved. They actually found their sound and they went with it. Did they stick with it? 2005. A different kind of pain. Plot twist. It's the same kind of pain. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was after the guitarists went to play in Evanescence? No, that actually. So it's funny. I looked that up earlier because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, I think after this record is when Terry left to go join Evanescence. But apparently the band basically broke up shortly after this um, or went on a hiatus. And then they came back for the, the next record we'll talk about after this one. They and, were going away. Yeah. Terry, Terry basically uh the only record terry's not on or really any of the like quote unquote like members we all know from like 13 ways to bleed on stage and so forth is the last one uh that's essentially the whole new band with scooter um but yeah i i remember being pretty pumped for this record being like okay like 13 or year of the spider really love that record like let's see where they go now like it seems like in as much as like they obviously this is their fourth record so it's like this isn't the the sophomore slump thing that could happen this felt like it could have been that where it's like 13 ways of bleed on stage kind of got some notoriety got some traction with some songs but really it was year of the spider that broke them into the mainstream so really it's like that's everyone's first tasting of the band let's kind of see what we can like what's going to happen from there like are they going to kind of go more astute like are we gonna get more stupid girls or you know like what are we going to get and that's kind of a funny sentence but um it's one of those things to me where I feel like this record is more of the blend I was kind of expecting after 13 Ways to Bleed on stage. I think it takes some of the the production elements of You're the Spider, but kind of marries it a lot more with 13 Ways to Bleed on stage, like lyrically and just the overall tone. I mean, you look at a song like Happens All the Time. Again, dude writes fucking great pop hooks in depressing ass, morose ass music. Like, it's kind of an anomaly. Like, I don't, I can't, other than him kind of, who are like able to kind of be like ooh, like all eeyore kind of sounding shit but like here's a really big like hook coming for you that's gonna get stuck in your head bouncing or coughing it's all the same yeah um so it's one of those to me like i think this was a little bit of a letdown to me initially when i when i got the record and listened to it um but i think scooter's songwriting just gets stronger and stronger i think his the the problems we've had with the enunciation moving forward or from the start to now it's basically gone uh and it will go away no pun intended uh on the next two records like it you comparatively from where scooter started to where we end up with him is kind of astounding like i've never heard of a vocalist go through such a transformation in their vocal style as much as him i mean fucking eddie vedder still yarls all the time um and it's one of those things where I think this is the the hard part about cold as a whole. You know, I had kind of made a comment to Dan when we were talking about Skindred where I was like, and I think it even said in my final thought, like where it's like, I don't know like who would listen to this all the time. Like I'm not going to listen to Skindred all the time. It's kind of a very niche thing. I have fun when I listen to it, but I don't really go out of my way to listen to it. Same with cold. I know what I'm getting when I listen to a cold record, 
and that's kind of a certain vibe and a mood. Probably winter or depressing kind of dark, dreary day or whatever. And sometimes, like I told Dan, I think I made the comment. I was like, if I want to kind of go in that mood, I'd rather have something be a little bit more like overly aggressive than kind of just being morose. Like there's nothing kind of worse than like the shoegazy like. And it's like, yeah, I understand some shit happens to you, dude. But like, I guess that the thank God you write poppy hooks, because like otherwise I, I just don't think I could take it. <laughs> otherwise, you'd be that guy that doesn't hang out with people after school because you think they're going to make fun of you. Yeah, probably. Because you're so caught up in yourself and, and, and what you have going on. Uh, but yeah, I think this record was not as good as Year of the Spider, obviously. Um, I think, again, I think Scooter means every word that he sings, like 100%. But um, yeah, this record, again, it's just kind of... The thing that initially I, I did find enjoyable about Cold was the aggression. And that's all basically gone here. There, there was a little bit in Year of the Spider... Um, more of it on 13 Ways and obviously a lot of it on the first record. Uh, this this record just kind of falls really in the midline for me. It's exactly the kind of music that I think Scooter wants to make. But um, as far as listenability goes, I can't really listen to this if I'm in a bad mood because I'm just going to be in a worse mood when I'm done. And uh, I definitely am not listening, you know, I'm definitely not going to listen to it when I'm in a good mood for fear of not being in a good mood. <laughs> so it just, yeah, it's one of those, like, it's very middle of the road for me. And I think it's very middle of the road for Cole, really. And that's probably why they broke up after this. Try as I might, I can't find the same feelings for this album that I do for Year of the Spider. I agree, this is what Scooter wants to do. And I have to spoil my final thought a little bit, but I think this band is too laid back to play the music that they're trying to play. So when they actually lay back, is it as interesting as other bands? I don't think so. I think it's as simple as every song is about a different person's story, whether that happened to Scooter or somebody told him about something that happened to them. But I just don't need another album of that in 2005. I really felt like it was out of place back in the day. Because, yes, I listened to it thinking we're going to get another year of the spider, not realizing that there's something about that record that works. And I don't think this record is a step forward. I think this is something they had to do, and it just didn't work the way they wanted it to. I could be completely wrong. This could be exactly what they wanted. It just doesn't work for me. I agree. I don't know. Uh it's real middle of the road. They break up. They come back. 2011. Super fiction. Six years they were gone. I think they were only gone two. 2006 to 2008, right? No, oh, 2011. I think they yeah. got back. They, re they reformed, I think, in 2008. I think they then just toured and then, what, three, eight, nine, ten, eleven? Yeah, so three years later, then they put out this record. Super fiction is... It's better <laughs> than a different kind of pain, but it's... Not as good as Year of the Spider, and that's going to be kind of my way of comparing everything. So unfair, right? Let's compare their biggest album to literally everything else that they do, because I'm just, I'm that guy. Uh, but I am kind of just wondering, like, even after they've gone, I kind of was expecting this to have more of like a, it's a refresh. You know, they had to take, they had to take a break, and now they're going to come back and they're going to do the things that they're good at. 
but I don't really feel that way. I think musically, there's a little bit more going on here. Um, the the it sounds amazingly like an actual band, you know, collaborated and put this together instead of just a dude with an acoustic guitar and a lot of problems, uh, you know. And so, like, I I I think it's I think it's good for a cold album, but I don't think it's like. Cold's never going to win me over at this point, so I'm I'm basically just surviving through the rest of this discussion because uh, I checked out a long time ago, and I, I think that you know, I think at this point, if you're a member of the Cold Army, I think I think you know you're going to be like, yeah, you're just happy to have new Cold, and I'm happy for I'm happy for you for that. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see this band doing anything that really differentiates themselves from any other band that's out there doing this type type of music. Other maybe other than the maybe Scooter's lyrics, which I do think that are consistently strong. Um, and he does have a better hook game than a lot of people uh, probably give him credit for. I think for me, like this, you know, Dan, you kind of talked about like a refresh of sorts for the band on this. And, and you know, what are you going to get? I think to me, like this does feel like a, a different version of the band. Um, I, I guess almost that's the one constant really has kind of been the evolution of the band's quote unquote sound. Um, while I would say it kind of stays in the, the morose and melancholy, I think musically they've kind of expanded. Like, you know, a song like What Happens Now, I think is really interesting. Like some of the guitar lines in it in that first verse, um, you know, are, are kind of wouldn't have heard that on any of the cold records to me. Like. Um, even kind of on the flight of the superstar, kind of the same thing. It almost feels like we're venturing into, uh, and this might be kind of a weird example, but it was like one of the few bands that like came to my mind and I, and I know that it's not going to be an obvious correlation and I don't know why my mind thinks of it, but, um, almost sort of like a switch foot kind of thing, like where it's like, it's heavy, you know, you have distorted guitars, you have these like kind of big moments with it, but for the most part, it's kind of like subdued for the verses like to really kind of be a vehicle for for what scooter's doing and be more of a an avenue for that and to really kind of be the focus of of vocal melodies and in the the lyrics um but i do like that this from a production standpoint feels like more of a in the room kind of vibe like it feels like it's it has a live element to it that hasn't really been on on any of the other records um this is kind of the shift, though, I think, you know, Dan was saying earlier, and we'll definitely see it on the next one, kind of to more of like that adult contemporary uh, kind of a sound, even though that's it's not exactly the right term for it. But it's like it, I definitely could I definitely could see hearing some cold being played over like a PA speaker at a dentist's office, like very you know quietly because it's it's not so loud. I've um, heard it. Have you? OK, I haven't. It's the right word, John, even though it's not the right genre necessarily. Right. Yeah. No, and that's the thing is like I kept thinking that too, where I'm like, this feels like it feels like grown up music for lack of a better term. Um, I, and I didn't necessarily want to say adult contemporary because like adult contemporary is like, you know, Michael Bolton and like Kenny G, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a thing where it's like, I definitely don't think that's necessarily in the same boat as this, but. I think this feels a lot more mature and grown up. Well, um, John, have you than, heard Disturbed lately? Uh, I try not to. This is how right you are. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, and, you know, let's let's be fair, too. A lot of the audience that would have gone out in droves for Year of the Spider or 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage, they all grew up. 
And not, not everybody grew up like we did, where we're like, well, I'm just going to try to find the most heaviest, most brutal thing out there. And da 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 da. Not everybody followed that musical trajectory. So, in a certain sense, like this, these albums make sense for Cold, and that they have matured in a way that their audience has matured. You know? So, like, it, it makes total sense. Um, and like I said, I think Scooter's a good songwriter. It's just he does not good at writing the kind of songs that I like. And th that's that's totally fine. I mean, that's the point of having a, a completely objective podcast is, you know, uh, I'm allowed to have to think what I think and you're allowed to think what you think. But I'm also not going to get, you know, too, too hoity-toity and be like, well, this sucks and they should do this and they should do that. I think they're doing exactly what they should do. But it's just, you know, I'm just not going to ever be a cold fan, I guess is what I'm trying to reinforce here before the cold army descends on me and starts sending spiders and envelopes to my house. 2019, The Things We Can't Stop. Anyone else think that was Davey Havoc on the cover at first? That was just me. For about half a second. Then I was like, oh, no, wait, there's a spider. It's a cold thing. Actually, anytime I see a spider that's stylized like that, I immediately think of cold. So, like... That's uh, it, not not very many bands out there get that have that good of brand recognition. Uh, I'll give them that. Uh, this record was just a total bust for me. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, obviously, like take take everything that I said about all the other records and apply it to this record. Uh, this is this is almost in a way we're back to the singer songwriter cold, you know. And um, half the band's gone. Uh, not half of them, but there's th there's Scooter some pretty yeah. There, there, yeah. Uh, I think this was Lindsay's first album uh, with Cold, and um, so I feel really, like, really bad, like not being like super stoked on it because Lindsay's super cool. But I think that like one of the things is is that like again, they, they're not they're, they didn't sell this record to me. They were like, well, I wonder what Dan's gonna think about this whenever we put this down and release it. Um, you know, again, see previous statement of the last record. You know, they're not aiming this at me, um, you know, like, because I'm never going to be all like, yeah, you should put a Snow Patrol cover on your record. I think that's that's something that you should do. Uh, you know, I'm never going to say that, although I do think that that is actually one of the better tracks on the record. Um, I liked I li I'm just going to tell you the songs that I liked and then I'm going to just happily bow out of this conversation. Uh, I, I liked the song Snowblind. I thought that was pretty strong. Um, I liked Run, you know, despite being a cover song. Um, thought it was really good. I liked Better Human uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, but yeah, as far as just the amount of um, Quiet Now was okay. Um, as far as just the overall approach and songwriting, it's still dark. It's very depressing. It's very on brand. But it is actually a little bit more positive than I think what we're used to getting from Cold. Uh, it is for the first time a little bit uplifting. And like you're like, okay, you know what, guys? I think Scooter might actually be okay. I <laughs> think. I, th I think I think things might be all right. It's the same, again, not to bring Stained into it, but it's the same arc that I got, you know, with Aaron Lewis, where I was like, "Oh man, this guy's gonna kill himself," and then like a couple albums later, you're like, "Nah, I think I think he's doing all right. <laughs> I think he's gonna be fine." Uh, and that's just how I feel about this record. It's fine. Um, I think Cold fans are gonna like it, unless you're one of the Cold fans. It's like it never got better than 13 ways to bleed on stage, and I mean, I kind of relate to the guy, to guys like that, you know, like I, I get that. Um, but I think that as long as they're happy with what they're recording and releasing, I think it's fine. I'm being real wishy-washy here, uh, trying to say some nice things about a record I don't like. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
I think it could be a lot worse. And I think as far as Cold's overall sound, I think they've at least been true to themselves and consistent to themselves. I remember reading some of the lyrics to this record and it gave, you know, the written by uh, information. And I was like, who the fuck is Ron Ward? Because <laughs> <laughs> like on the first on the first record, it says Scoot Ward. And then I was like, oh, OK. And then like, now, you know, you have Scooter's real name uh, on it. But I remember just being taken aback by that. I was like, who the fuck is Ron? <laughs> I did used to I did used to joke that. uh you know, I was like, there's no way that's what it says on his birth certificate. Yeah. There's um, no way he's named Scooter. Yeah. But when I got to this album in the listening of everything, you know, you, you I think you kind of see the progression to this. Like, I, I think there's hints of this on the original Cold Record, like I was saying, where it feels more kind of like a singer songwritery kind of thing. This feels like that fully realized. Um and I don't know. This would probably be a question for Lindsay. And, you know, we can probably have Lindsay on for a discuss metal or whatever. I'll talk more about this record, at least. Hey, maybe but, after not what I said, I'll have to bring you in as a buffer. <laughs> um, but it, well, I mean, because the thing and not to get too much on a Lindsay, Lindsay tangent, but she is a huge cold fan. So that's that was one of the things when we had talked about having her do this with us. That would have been interesting is, you know, she can talk about up until this record being a huge fan of the band and kind of can maybe offer glimpses into you know remembering being part of the cold army and all that kind of stuff where we were more fringe uh enthusiasts of this band at best um you know to then being a member of the band and getting to hear probably all the questions she's asked scooter over the years of the various stories to go along with all the records and so forth and whatnot and can kind of speak a little bit more to scooter's actual writing style and, and whatnot but this just feels kind of in as much as cold is a band I think this is a perfect example of basically Cole being an individual. Um, whereas sometimes we see that, you know, we see bands that it's like, yes, you are a band like Foo Fighters. Yes, Foo Fighters are a band. But I mean, let's be real. It's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl can play literally everything. Yeah, he, he, does, yeah. he doesn't necessarily need anybody else to do Foo Fighters. I mean, that's what that first full record was basically all about. Um, so to me, this feels like Cold is now a if this were to morph into the Scooter Ward project or something like that, I wouldn't be shocked. Or if this was like Scooter wrote everything, literally everything you hear on the record, Scooter did everything. I'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Fair enough. Yeah. And to me, like, I think that's just kind of where we're at with the band right now is I feel like it's just the Scooter Ward project. And if you like what's been going on from the last record or over overall, then you probably love this record. For me, there's there's definitely moments in it that I like. I think, you know, Shine's a good song. Again, dude writes fucking massive fucking songs. Um, I imagine possibly the sync opportunities for this dude are would be huge if they license their catalog at all. Um, I mean, I'm sure a Stupid Girl would probably get enough sync opportunities <laughs> to make that dude a handful of bucks. Um, but it's... Uh, for me, this is just kind of where Cold's at. I... I would be really interested to see what a cold show looks like now. I know um, when tour right before touring stopped, basically like I was going to go hang out with Lindsay and go see the band when they played at the machine shop. And I was interested to see what it looked like because, you know, I interviewed Lindsay for this album cycle and was kind of like, oh, this isn't the cold I remember. Um, but I, w I would be interested to see how some of these songs from like the last two records mix in conjunction with, you know, a go away or just got wicked or whatever and see if maybe it kind of makes a little bit more sense 
in a live setting where when you're listening to the record that it comes from, you're like, oh, this doesn't feel like cold that I know from these bands or from these albums. Maybe when you see it live, it really does. And, and that's kind of the, the joy and, and the beauty sometimes of going to see bands, especially ones you haven't seen in a very long time is that you're like, oh, wow, they this actually sounds a lot better in this version or they kind of fuck around and play with it. Like, I think I've made this example before, so Joe will probably get on me about this. But when Coldplay did that, like rocked version of Yellow or Trouble, I'm sorry, Trouble. And instead of it being like that piano line being the thing, they play it on guitar. And it's like almost like a like straight up like rocker. And you're like, damn, why? Where the fuck is that version? Like, why? Why can't I? Why can't I get that? Like, that's kind of the fun of going to see bands. And it's, it's what it's all weird the Kiss too. fans have been saying about I was made for loving you for the past 40 <laughs> years. Like, if you see it live, it's actually an awesome heavy song. It's not quite yeah, disco. Not really. It's not quite it's the same song, dude. I do think it's interesting, though, that uh, in the last couple of years it seems like cold has really been getting a lot of love from other bands like i know uh ben from breaking benjamin pulled uh Lindsay and actually i think most of the band out to do just got wicked with them um recently and like people seem to be really fucking stoked on it they're like oh there's a scooter and it's cold and everyone's like yeah and i was like really like it doesn't seem like there'd be much crossover there <laughs> like we're breaking hey, benjamin fans are like you know what i would need right it's now it's not that big of a jump though if you really think no, about it it's not no. And, you Breaking know, Benjamin, the band that made mashed potato mouth mean something. I'll tell you what. Here's a hot take. Uh, I have been saying for the last handful of years that Breaking Benjamin basically needs to get some royalty checks from a lot of bands because Motionless and White rips off their fucking choruses and structures really bad lately. And so does Memphis Mayfire. Oh, yeah. Um, so for everyone that shits on what, you know, them and says that Breaking Benjamin sucks, I can play you a whole bunch of other songs from bands that people are like, yeah, you know, underground music. And I'd be like. Yeah, they just stole a whole bunch of fucking Breaking Benjamin songs, so... <laughs> well, John, I haven't shit on this album yet, so here I go. I think everybody buys into their favorite band. I really do think somebody out there, and the answer's probably Scooter, and that's enough, is uplifted by this cold album. That band that you buy into that put out all that depressing music back in the day because shit happens sometimes. Eight years later, you get something that sounds more positive. I know that means something to that person. Dan, there are people out there that don't think The Crimson Corridor is the best Zayo album. But as a fan, and an overly objective fan, you can listen to it and make that decision for yourself. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can process that Cold is not the best band. But this album is probably the greatest thing they've ever heard. Because here's my favorite band actually trying to lift me up a little bit. That's the nicest thing I can say about this album. Because it is just Scooter now. That's what it sounds like. That's what the delivery is. I'm cool with it. It's just not for me. Fair enough. Final thoughts on Cold. John. Uh. This is, I use the Dan term. It's fine. Um, <laughs> there are there are parts of this that I, of the discography I do really enjoy. Um, some of it is wrapped in nostalgia. Some of it is, you know, like I said with *You're the Spider*, getting to see a unique concert experience where I'm getting the artist literally telling me what all these scenes, what all these songs mean, and how they came about. So maybe I have more of an attachment with those. I obviously wasn't really, you know, I was kind of in that broke phase of like living on my own and not having Internet or cable and stuff like that and being able to go to shows. So, you know, from 
basically about a different kind of paint on. That's where I didn't see the band. Um, it wasn't really until interviewing Lindsay that I even knew that Cold was around anymore. Um, I think the band's fine. I think, you know, there's probably going to be something there for you. To end it on a positive note, listen to it for the hooks, at least. There's always strong vocal hooks. Damn, what about you? I think that sometimes it's not necessarily important what the music critic says about whether a band's objectively good or objectively bad. And I compare this a lot to video games because, like, I play a lot of bad video games. Like, I play games that are boring and maybe aren't that fun to other people. Uh, but I really get something about it. So I think with music, the important thing to remember is that uh, we all have a connection to the things that we like, whether it's a logical connection or it's not. So I think that there's plenty of people out there that heard a cold song and it really connected them in a strong way. They heard multiple songs that really connected with them in a strong way. And so they're going to stick with that band because they attach a a certain amount of their personal identity to it. Uh, and I think that's the hardest part about doing a show like this is that sometimes sometimes you're just disregard, blatantly disregarding someone else's personal connection to something, you know? Um, you know, I'll get up here, you know, all day and tell you how great Zayo is, but if you don't have that personal connection with the band, it's going to fall, it's going to fall flat. Uh, and I think that's something to keep in mind whenever you are listening to a podcast where somebody doesn't, isn't stoked on a band that you're stoked on. Sometimes it has nothing to do with technical proficiency. It has nothing to do with good songwriting or bad songwriting. The most important thing to take away from a band like Cold is that they meant a lot to a lot of people and continue to do so. Uh, There's people that just related to Scooter very personally. And uh, I think that that's strong. I think that's important. They're a band that um, has always been there for their fans. And um, that's why they're still around. That's why they can always put a new record out and there's going to be a demand for it. I asked for the hottest take I could get on cold and scrolling through, I've made my selection. Cold is the most derivative, boring music that is produced so poorly that all it does is lull its listeners into apathy and then Scooter starts singing and it gets worse. I don't agree with that all the time. I think sometimes cold can be entertaining. I think they have that sound that everybody wanted to grab onto. I don't know if that was leftovers from the 90s and everybody wanting more of that Alice in Chains, Eddie Vedder, mashed potato mouth sounding vocalist with deep riffs behind him. That atmosphere that brings you in and reminds you that people feel bad like you do sometimes. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's we were looking for something more generic because I think that's what we got most of the time, but it means something to somebody. So for you, go listen to cold. It's for you. It's just not for me. Most of the time I do like you of the spider. I do like some of the other songs that work, but those are few and far between for me. I can't say I want everybody to go listen to cold. Because I don't think cold is here for most people. I think cold is for somebody in the 90s or the early 2000s to latch onto and sustain the band for the remainder of their discography. But there is better music and there is better singer-songwriter-influenced rock 
But for the fans of Cold, go listen to Cold. I unfortunately can't join you most of the time. Damn, what's your album of the week? I'd be remiss if I didn't say it was the Crimson Corridor by Zayo. I mean, it's going to be that way for the next, I don't know, year, two years, seven years. John, what about you? Uh, bleeding through, love will kill all. Um, that riff, uh, that opening riff to No One From Nowhere is a fucking banger. Holy shit. For me, it's Firepower by Judas Priest. I don't need an explanation, but if you do, heavy metal, awesome, greatness. Go listen to it. Well, you don't think Jugulator's better than Firepower? Better? No. Good? Yes. Fair enough. The shout out to you, Richie. Seriously, nothing's better than Firepower. Take us out, DFT. If you like this podcast or you've decided that you hate us, uh, whichever, send us an email. We have a... uh, we, we have an email, uh, Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash discography discussion. We're on Twitter at discuss metal. Uh, we are on discord. There's going to be a link of the show notes. That'll take you right to our discord server where ourselves as well as fans of the show are chatting pretty much 24 seven all around the world. Uh, it's a great place to hang out and talk about your favorite bands, share memes and just have yourself a generally great time. Uh, If you want some discography discussion merch uh, or some merch to burn, that's okay. Go ahead and buy it just to burn it. You can can get it at our Teespring store. There will be a link in the show notes that will take you there, too. And uh, keep those band suggestions coming, guys. We want to make a calendar for next year, and uh, I need some ideas. So uh, make sure to hit me up. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast, and we will see you guys next time. And on that note, this has been episode 223 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me that money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Oh.